0: <laughs> hello and welcome to the next episode of the actual anarchy podcast the podcast where we talk about movies from a rothbardian anarcho-capitalist perspective my name is daniel and my friend robert is here and we are going to do dark knight returns for episode 42 of the show and we have our returning guest our batman guest shaheen all the way from australia but before we introduce him let's check in with robert how you doing, my man
1: yeah, I haven't learned my lesson. I'm still back here on the podcast. We're going to do another episode with you, good people, talking about Dark Knight Rises, uh mixed bag, mixed bag of a movie. But I'm interested to hear our guest take on it. So uh, looking forward to this one. Doing well.
0: Yeah, I agree. There's a lot going on in this one, and it's going to be found at actualanarchy.com slash 42. And if you like what we do, check out actualanarchy.com slash tip jar. But let's introduce our guest, Shaheen. Coming back one more time, doing our Batman completing the trilogy, Dark Knight Rises. How you doing? Oh, well, What's up? Good to be back on. Is this yeah, we're hap- what
1: we done. We didn't do Batman Begins, did we?
0: We did not, All but right, we,
1: we did two episodes of, of
0: uh, That's Dark Knight. Right.
1: That's right. Well, hopefully this one doesn't go two episodes, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, well, we've already been recording for a while for our pre-show stuff. So if you guys want a, a taste of that action, that's at uh, the Patreon supporter level of $5 or more for behind the scenes. And uh, you can get two hours of us talking with Shaheen about all things Australian, as well as a special guest from Liberty Weekly. And uh, libertyweekly.net, check them out. They do a really great show as well. But uh, Shaheen, let's get into this movie. This is uh, this is one of the ones that uh, you had uh, said, hey, I'm your Batman guy. So the next time you do Batman, this is this is what we're going to do. So I'm going to pull up the uh, Google description here. Let's find it. And then we can get into some scenes and start ripping this puppy apart. So Dark Knight Rises came out 2012. PG-13 thriller action. Two hours, 45 minutes, it says on the Google. It probably was actually that long. Uh, 8.4 on the IMDb and 87% Rotten Tomatoes. 95% of Google users like it. I don't know why. Uh, here's the description. It says, It has been eight years since Batman, in collusion with Commissioner Gordon, vanished into the night. Assuming responsibility for the death of Harvey Dent, Batman sacrificed everything for what he and Gordon hoped would be the greater good. However, the arrival of a cunning cat and a merciless terrorist named Bane forced Batman out of exile and into a battle he may not be able to win. This thing made a billion dollars, a billion with a B. What do you guys think? Any qualms or issues with the Google description? Yeah, I think the
2: description is pretty accurate,
1: Yeah, I don't see anything wrong with it. It seems about right. I was kind of surprised to learn that it had made a billion dollars also. It was coming off the strength of The Dark Knight, though, which was uh, uh, yeah. universally hailed as, a, as an excellent movie.
0: Yeah, I actually talked uh, um, with you earlier a little bit about uh, how this movie wasn't that good. <laughs> and. I'm just going to get my black and red right now. I know we normally save that for later, but I don't want to like uh, taint the rest of the conversation. But uh, there was a um, a little documentary made about about this one where they say following up on Dark Knight. We knew we had to go bigger and better and bolder and, and badder. And so we had to have Bane beat up on Batman and show the weakness of Batman or, or that he's overmatched. And they thought that they were making this great follow-up to that movie. And it's one of those that I think is so good that it's almost impossible to follow up. And then this movie, which we'll get into, uh, I don't think
1: comes anywhere close to it. Well, we'll see if we can change your mind about that, Daniel. Or maybe we'll reinforce your uh, negative... <laughs> <laughs> who knows but i thought i thought there were some definite uh, positive takeaways from the film and then there were a bunch of head scratching moments that uh, i went and did a little bit of digging not a whole lot i mean i thought about it for a bit i rewatched a few parts watched uh watched a few youtube videos talking about it and kind of solidified my thoughts but um We'll see. Um, Most, I would say mostly, I originally watched the movie 10 years ago or whatever when it came out. What did you say? 2009? 12. 12? Five years ago. Five years ago. So I recently just saw it in the theater and then I watched it again, you know, yesterday or the day before. And I want to say it was a little bit better than I remembered, but maybe because I was paying attention and knowing what to look for and that sort of thing. But there are some some glaring, I don't know if I'd, I'd say painfully bad parts, but I mean, I, I, I waffle on some parts because, in the end of the at the end of the day, it is a comic book movie, and I want to give it that kind of comic book level of suspension of disbelief. But at the same time, it does have to work within the universe it creates, so there are issues. But mm-hmm. uh, let's get uh, Shaheen's initial hot take.
2: Um, well, obviously, comparing it to the Dark Knight, it's obviously not as good, but. Judging it as a, like if this was a standalone Batman movie and there was no Dark Knight behind it, I think this would have been praised as one of the best ones.
1: Yeah, I could see that. I mean, it's definitely better than anything that came out in the 90s.
2: Better than George Clooney. Oh, 1992 Batman, that was really good. That, the one with the penguin, Danny DeVito. Yeah,
1: yeah. Batman, what was that, what was that called? Batman Returns. I want to say. Yeah. That was, I liked it back, especially at the time, because I was a big fan of, um, not necessarily a huge fan of, but of uh, the director, I forget his name. Off the top of no, my head. Tim Burton. Burton. Yeah, there you go. Um, looking back on it, it definitely has its issues. And I, for what it is, though, yeah, I, I want to say it's, it's it's a fun film. Mm-hmm. Did it's not
0: Burton also do um, Batman, Batman Eighty Nine? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it was Schumacher who did the Bat Nipples.
2: Yeah, that was the um, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. Horrible.
0: <laughs> yeah. Is that- how many people have played Batman at this point? It's, it's uh, well, quite a long long and distinguished list. Uh,
2: there were two Batman from black and white serials in the 40s, well, 1943 and 1949. I forget what the names were. Then there's Adam West, then Keaton, uh, Michael Keaton, that is. Then we get, um, forget his name, he's really fat now, uh, Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer,
1: yep.
2: yeah. okay, well, Then, obviously, George Clooney. <laughs> That's just hilarious and christian bale and now ben affleck
1: so, yeah, five, yeah and seven. i'd say I'd, I'd say probably the best actor among those is probably keaton just in as far as terms as acting chops although bale's got a certain number of chops and affleck is okay in some movies but i don't know i, I watch keaton's work has just been strong throughout his almost entire career yeah
0: yeah i think i think bale's a great actor in a lot of things i mean heck we've done probably five movies about him in the Forty-two movies we've done so far, and uh, he is a great actor. But I think his um, gravelly Batman impersonation (laughs) is pretty bad.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he got ripped for that, and rightfully so. It's it's not a good choice. I would have gone with like a voice modulator, but that's just me. That's what they did for Affleck, and I think it works for Affleck.
0: Yeah, Mm. but he was like a robo-Batman, right? Like I haven't haven't seen the Affleck one, but he looks robotic or or enhanced in some way.
2: That's that's only for the fight against Superman. For the other scenes, he he just has a normal suit.
1: Mm. Anyway, let's get into this movie, guys. Um, It's a long movie, two hours and 45 minutes. There are some scenes that that we could talk about, uh, but... Probably what's going to work best is just a general overview and the philosophy and that sort of thing. Um, One of the things that I did enjoy about the movie was only almost at the very beginning is that Batman actually does some detective work to find Selina Kyle, which I appreciated because Batman is famously not a detective in the comic books. He's like the world's greatest detective and... He's even referred to by Rachel Ghoul as detective, and that's like yeah. his persona. But in movies, he's just a guy that punches people, and it's usually fairly depressing. But oh well, it's, it's I, I, I appreciate it when they throw it in, so it's a, a nice little touch for me.
2: Hmm. Uh, what I have written down is the the first scene where Gordon says he believes in Harvey Dent. Yeah. An, an analogy for that would just be political lies, or, even though the intention was good. Like.
1: Right, so mm-hmm. the end of the Dark Knight, they lie and basically say that Batman is the one that killed the people instead of yeah. Harvey Dent because they didn't want the Dent Act to get overthrown because the Dent Act was this police state measure that allowed them to throw all these mafia types in jail. Yeah. So it's 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 they're saying basically they're making the claim that the noble lie is doing good. So yeah, it, you start the movie starts with um, Gordon talking about how Dent is still. They have like a Harvey Dent day, so he's yeah. like this lauded figure in history, and everybody believes in him, and blah blah blah. And then as the movie goes along, it's discovered or told to the people that it was all a lie. And then what happens? But um, mm-hmm. we it's 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 a complex thing. It's um, yeah because so the guy that exposes the lie is Bane, and he Bane's is
2: like, WikiLeaks right
1: right so the 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 noted murderer and terrorist bane comes out clearly a trustworthy person and comes yeah. out and exposes dent for being a murderer and then all the people just are like yeah totally man let's riot and trash the place come on and they break into Blackgate prison and they let out all these mafioso types and so what is the what is the movie actually trying to say I mean is it saying that people are just looking for a strong man to follow or do they actually believe Dent? One of the issues with um, the whole noble lie concept of being um, the, one of the videos I saw talked about how the noble lie, if, if you' if you're trying to say that the noble lie is corrupting and like it's gonna lead to all this corruption in the police force, none of them that happens in the movie. The noble lie is seen as a universal good thing. Um, the, the cops are talking about how they'll have nothing to do now that all the cops or the, the criminals are in jail. And Mm -hmm. you see the, um, in the, when Selena Kyle is selling the Bruce Wayne's fingerprints to like some mobster guy or not the mobster guy. Um,
2: Uh, the the uh, vice president for Daggett. Yeah.
1: Daggett. Yeah, there you go. She's in this some bar and she gets Daggett, the Daggett guy, to use a cell phone showing yeah. that. And then the cops like instantly descend on the place and it's showing like this police state that they've been looking for. They're using this surveillance on the cell phones and like tracking everybody and tracing everybody thanks to the increased police measures, powers. Mm. But it's shown it to be like a good thing because it saves Catwoman's life and it gets mm. the bad guys and that sort of thing. So the whole movie, I don't know if it's a confused message, but they're saying like the noble lie is good and it's great. And then Bane comes out and says, exposes it. I don't really follow what the movie is trying to say. As far as mm, that I, I
2: always put it meant that if you have a noble lie, it'll crumble like eventually.
1: Right. But it doesn't in this movie, you start off with the noble lie being great and it's, still great and it's still great and at the very end you have batman again living um lying to everybody and then he gets lionized as the savior of gotham which he did but then you know he's like supposed to be dead but of course he's not so again he's lying so the movie ends again with another lie
2: but there is a theory that um that wasn't that was alfred's um what hallucination oh really really? that's a theory yeah that he actually
1: did die. Yeah. Because yeah, that is it, earlier in the movie. It is him saying that that's his, fast, his That's his uh, fantasy is to see him doing that exact yeah. same thing. I never, I never thought that that was what that scene was. I thought that was a real thing. It hmm. seemed just like a strange thing um, hmm. to show Batman in retirement at all. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is like this totally psychologically driven character that just cannot let go. Every time we see Batman, he's always fighting crime no matter what, fighting through, getting beaten and bit and shot and never taking a day off and just, you know, burning the candle at both ends. And so to show him, like as a recluse, like a Howard Hughesian type recluse, and then to just re- retire with Catwoman, these two like adrenaline junkie thrill seekers. To just yeah. be chilling in a bar or a, in a cafe somewhere, <laughs> yeah, I didn't quite buy it. So maybe it is. Maybe but, but that is more of, of a
2: fantasy. To the defense of that fantasy, Catwoman, the the whole movie was uh, the whole Catwoman story was about her trying to find a clean slate so that she could erase her past and live a new life. Mm. And the whole and Batman kept saying numerous times that he did he, he he wanted to move on and have a family, but he lost the the, the Rachel. Right. He Lost um. The person he wanted lost his one. But maybe he found that again through Catwoman. That's another theory. Mm. But, yeah.
1: Okay. Well, I could I could see that for Catwoman for sure. Like, yes. Yeah. Even though it would probably be about a week before she starts stealing stuff, and then <laughs> they're at odds again and whatever. But um, let's talk about let's talk about um, the, the bad plane? guys in this movie. Yeah. Um, because the bad guys, spoilers for everything, are mm. Bane and Talia al Ghul. And there, I saw them as one of two things. Either they mm-hmm. are terrorists who are just trying to kill people, but terrorists are usually also have a political message. So they're trying to teach people. I saw they, them as Marxists. Oh, absolutely. 100%. So, yeah. so they are these Marxists who are trying to start this commie revolution in the city. And it turns into a massive shit show, which the ANCAP of me is like, yeah, of course it would be a shit show. Yeah, But- um, if their goal is to educate people about what the glory of this revolution or whatever, then why murder everybody after five months? But if they're trying to murder everybody after five months, then why go through the process of trying to educate everybody? Mm-hmm. So that was my issue: was the the the, the 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 commies didn't make any sense to me. If they were trying to start this cultural Marxist revolution. Mm-hmm then why guarantee they started off with this bomb that's going to blow up in 5 months so yeah. they know it's going to last 5 months so they know at the end of 5 months they're going to kill everybody so why
2: i think their entire plan was to destroy the city from um, from the beginning
1: that was that
2: was the main plan just to destroy the city i mean that, that was razal Ghul's plan in um, in batman right. begins yeah, it's just Bane himself, maybe just is a Marxist or a communist and just that was his way of creating chaos and changing the order in the city.
1: But but why kill them after he, if he's going to do that? I have no clue. Like, yeah, so I mean the um Catwoman character, she starts off as a commie. She makes up, yeah. a, a bunch of comments about how yeah. I've got them Bruce's- written down. You do? Okay, so good. You can go through them because, yeah, she's like, you're living at the expense of better people and living on the shoulders of whatever. She's yeah. like yeah. giving it to right. Bruce. You, you don't
2: get to judge me because you were born like in the in the Wayne mansion. Oh, You'll you realize how, how could you ever live so large and just leave so little for the rest of us. Economically literate. She doesn't know that. The only way to get rich is to actually produce more stuff for everyone.
1: Right. She thinks it's a zero-sum game where, yeah, mm-hmm. the rich are used, taking more than they really need or whatever
2: and besides moral morals coming from her she's a thief uh, she she doesn't get to talk about morals
0: yeah well she seemed to be doing the uh i don't mind stealing bread from the mouths of decadence you know she's mm. saying well they have more than they need so therefore it's it's justified for me to take it she's very anti-rich and robert you were talking earlier and i don't mean to sidetrack the conversation but where when she's trying to obtain the um fingerprints and she's basically counting on the police state to, to converge on them when the cell phone of the, um, Congressman gets used. Yep. It, she, she went into this, um, play acting of the victim, this
2: Mm, screaming,
0: screaming, you know, like, Oh, they're raping
1: me. Ah, ah, I'm
0: so scared to, to get out of that situation so that she could escape. And I thought that that was an interesting tactic that she used. And, uh, I don't know, maybe a, a bit of a commentary on, on somebody using that uh, in a like a weaponized fashion
1: of being a victim.
0: Right. Just feminism. Look up feminism.
1: Uh, that's that's, yeah, just that's, it. that's exactly right. <laughs> that, is, that is the philosophy of feminism.
0: Yeah. And then uh, I, I, I know we haven't really talked about the scene yet, but where um, Batman kind of comes out of retirement after this uh, confrontation with. Um, Stock exchange. No, not the, well, yeah, it is, the, it is the stock exchange thing, which I do want to get into, but, mm. um, who plays, uh, Pennyworth, uh, Alfred, mm, Michael Kane, Michael Kane. Yep. Yeah. So he, he and, uh, Alfred have this conversation about, you know, like hanging to go back out there. And he's like, Oh, I don't want you to. And you know, you're probably going to die, blah, blah, blah. Uh, right. but he goes out on this chase after the stock exchange hold up. And there's these motorcycles running around. They're going up and down these um, viaducts and and elevated freeways and whatnot. Yeah. And and then one of the motorcycles crashes, and it's, like, the weakest crash ever for a motorcycle that had supposedly been going, like, really fast. Did you guys notice this? Like, it just kind of, like, tips over.
1: Boom. Uh, I did not notice that, but I know a lot of those things are filmed at, yeah, much slower speeds and then, yeah. up because it's just for safety reasons. But yeah, no, I did not notice that in particular.
0: Yeah. Well, it was really annoying to me. Uh, but let's get into the stock sock exchange thing because it becomes a very pivotal point in the plot where Bane goes in, guns loaded to basically inject a program into their no. computer to make it appear as if Bruce Wayne had put some kind of um, dangerous options on his company. And he loses them, of course. And so then he's no longer a majority shareholder. And that allows Talia al Ghul to take over the company. And at that time, everyone thinks she's she's a good guy, right?
2: Mm. Well, I, I had yeah. something right before that scene. The the knee brace that he gets, because he also had the cartilage in his knee, and then he kicks yep. the brick wall. Yeah, yep. I just wrote, Wonders of Private Medicine.
1: <laughs> there you go.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure how the, the knee brace makes his foot impervious to bricks, but still the wonders of private medicine. <laughs> it's, it's the free market. It's just the
2: free market. Trust us, the free market.
0: Yeah, there's a bunch of bones in your foot. I'm sure you're going to break most of them doing that. But
2: <laughs> There's a brace for them as well. <laughs>
0: All right, so what do you guys think on this uh, this takeover of the stock exchange? Because fuzzy recall here, but when there are significant drops in uh, the stock market, they'll do a um, halting of trading and they'll void all trades in the last you know X amount of time. And the fact that there were guns used in a holdup and then trades happened immediately after this would that not be like immediately recognized as fraudulent? Or yes, they, taken from the record.
2: They did uh, touch up on this with Lucius telling Batman that they can prove that it's a fraud, but it'll take a while. I think it's just movie magic that that they just ignore that.
1: Right. Yeah. I I didn't see the need for the um, the arm to take over at all. They had his fingerprints, which okay. I didn't I didn't see them using his fingerprints. They seemed to. They broke into the stock exchange. Then they like plugged in a tablet to another computer and did a thing. Mm-hmm. It seemed like yeah. you could just hack in remotely if you're that's what you wanted to do. But I know it's it's a movie and they want to show some stuff. But I think if they had hacked in remotely, it would have gotten rid of Daniel's objection. So yeah, I don't know. It it, it seemed weird to me, but I um I think it yeah. would have immediately called into suspicion any trades at that time. I mean. I, like right. immediately, immediately, like whatever right.
0: the repercussions right. are, don't go into effect, kind of immediately. Right, thing. like
1: all these trades are void or suspect mm-hmm. upon review or something like that. I would think. But they they had but, to get the company out of his hands, and
0: so you know, movie magic, like Shaheen was saying. Mm-hmm.
2: Right, it's in the. I plan. had one thing right before that scene as well. The the scene where you go, they go through the Wayne Tech, the, the building, where Fox shows him all the all the weapons that they made. I thought that was a really good scene as well. Just showcases all these different uh, recreational tanks and uh, body armor and the the, the bat helicopter,
1: uh-huh.
2: whatever that is. Not really a helicopter. I guess you can still throw uh, Bane's communist thugs, out of there. Popper <laughs> would be proud.
0: <laughs> that was the uh, was that the bat pod? Is that what they called that? Uh, That's what they called the, it? They
1: called it the bat, the bat pod. Like yeah, yeah it was just it's the the bat. It's a bat. And it was like a flying it's drone. That's what it was kind of like. Kinda like. Um, I did want to point out. Uh, earlier in the movie, almost the very first thing I wrote down was that there's a scene with the um, the, the cop, the main cop, played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah. we talking with uh, a kid and the kid says that there's work in the tunnels for kids that are too old for Boys Town,
2: uh, but they yeah. can't get
1: work up above in the city.
2: Black market.
1: To, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, probably due to minimum wage laws or age discrimination laws, regulation, yeah. that sort of thing. But it's it's just, it's not touched on, but that's, I thought that was a, a fun little scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's after the stock exchange?
2: Uh, then it's the um, –
0: uh, it
2: was a police chase with Batman.
0: Right. And the weak motorcycle crashes.
2: Yeah. And the fact that he just outruns the entire police force. I thought yeah. that was really good.
1: Right. And then he gets back and then he gets into his helicopter and takes off. Yeah. Um, did you, Shaheen, did you buy the whole, I, I saw, I knew you were Batman when I saw the look in your eyes or something like that, the same look on your face that I see on my face trying to pretend to be something I'm not or whatever?
2: Uh, oh, that was Blake. Kinda. Um, I don't I don't really know. I mean, I guess it's, it's just more movie magic. I mean, in real life, that would never happen. But just Yeah, how would,
0: how would John Blake, who's like this just introduced character, notice this with Batman, but Commissioner Gordon, who's known him for years... Would not notice this until the very end of the movie,
1: and only when he directly tells him, yeah. i Bruce Wayne, basically." I mean,
0: the, he's he's not a very good detective, this Gordon. I think the,
2: right. the whole point with the um, with the with Blake finding out was because when he was a kid, he saw Bruce Wayne, because his parents were killed as well as a kid. Yeah. So uh, he could somehow magically tell that uh, since Bruce Wayne's parents were killed, he was the Batman. Well, I, I have
0: no clue. All
1: right, so yeah, jump I, I in. It, Go ahead, Daniel.
0: Well, I this is a Christopher Nolan movie, and he usually has some twists and turns and some kind of, you know, time warp action going on. Is there something to this entire story that if you look at it a certain way, it all starts to make sense? Because in my watching of this, I thought that this was pretty terrible. I mean, you got Dane, who's this super commie. You've got Selena Kyle, who's like uh, stealing from the rich is fine. You know, everyone can have whatever they want. And and there's sort of this pointless like like you were saying, this pointless activity of the five months because it's all gonna blow up anyway. I mean, is there something right. in there that no one's doing that I'm just missing? I'm just, you know, too dumb to see?
1: Well, I don't think there is, and that's one of my main criticisms of this movie, is that the um
0: in The Dark Knight it
1: worked really well because the Joker had a point. And the Joker's point was very specific and Batman's counterpoint to Joker therefore was, you know, very much illuminated and highlighted. Whereas you have this muddled message from these villains in this movie, so you don't really understand what Batman's counterpoint to them is. What is Batman saying to them that the audience is supposed to resonate with? You need to have the villains have a clear message in order for Batman to reflect a different message. And since the the villains have this muddled message of commie revolution, kill everybody, which is it?
2: Okay. I don't know eventually
1: yeah, so I yeah I had an issue with that. I, I didn't understand what the Batman character was supposed to be telling us in this movie, other than punch people and pretend to die and save Gotham, I guess, and heal your back by doing push-ups and sit-ups and stretching with the rope. That's what know. I've
0: been doing wrong. I, that's what I need to do. My back, I throw it out all the time. <laughs> that's the solution right there.
1: Yeah, man. So let's, and that, let's that, talk about that, 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 that
0: pit, that uh, Blackgate. Is that, was that the Blackgate or was it?
2: No, Blackhead was the
0: prison in, in Gotham. Right, let's talk about yeah. the prison, because they, they kept talking about how it was the worst prison ever, and it's like this deep hole it's down at the bottom of a well, and, and people try to climb out, and they always fail. Uh, in the representation in the film, it didn't look like that terrible to me.
1: Yeah, and maybe Shaheen, you know this or not, but um, in the movie, I, they don't ever really reference it, but in um, some of the other stuff I was looking at they called it the Lazarus Pit oh, And really? in the comic books the Lazarus Pit is where yeah, Ra's yeah. al goes to resurrect himself after he dies so I don't know if this is a on-screen representation of it it's like a metaphor of climbing out of it is getting resurrected and you're mm. dead when you're in it and you climb out and you're alive I don't know
2: uh, I think they could have done a better better um, better job of showing how having the entrance and the ability and being allowed to go for, for the jump how that would make someone hopeful and then maybe they should have showed Bruce Wayne being hopeful more and more and jumping more. Because he only he only tried three times, and he succeeded on his third try. Maybe have like a montage of him. He kept on trying, then heard more news about Gotham, then tried again to the point where he was super depressed. And then he gets the talk from the uh, old guy.
0: Yeah, but it's all about him being being able to experience fear, right? They were saying that he had, because he wasn't afraid of anything – that's why he wasn't pushing himself to this, like, greater physical extreme limit. Right. And he was only doing it without the rope that would push him to try that much harder to actually be able to make it.
2: Because he was scared of dying and not being able to save Gotham.
1: Right. Now, is it just me or could, like, a novice mountain climber get out of that thing in, like, a day? fashion a bunch of, like, I Me mean, had a rope. You could have, like, hammered posts into the wall and just climbed yeah. up.
0: Pitons, is that what they call that?
1: Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like a super slick surface. There were, there were edges. I don't know. Just, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't buy the whole nobody could ever get it out of this thing. I, it seemed like an average mountain climber could do it. No problem. But anyway. I thought
2: that the, the whole, it gives people hope represented just political, um, just politics and voting. So while you're in, you're in the pit and you want to solve an issue. So you keep trying to climb with the rope and the rope is voting. No matter what you do, you can never get there.
1: Oh, interesting. So I, don't I
2: that's always not we probably...
1: were going for, but yeah, I like it. Yeah. That's not <laughs> think... what they were going for.
2: I just no. made that up. Right. So like, you can become an anarchist, like an anarcho-communist. You take off the uh, rope, then you jump down, and you fall and die. Or you can be an ANCAP like us, or transhumanist or whatever, and then make the jump and make it.
0: Yeah, we're doing this show without a rope, folks. That's right.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... This is as good a time as any. Let's talk about the opening scene with the the nuclear scientist guy. Why do they yep. bother getting that guy if they're just going to take him to the Pittsburgh Steelers football stadium and kill him? He had um, to turn the to um, fusion reactor like into a bomb. Uh, Robert, say your thing, and then Shaheen, say your thing.
1: Yeah. Are you asking why he's in the movie at all? Yes. Did you remember the scene where they go down to the fusion reactor and they put him in front of it and then he does a thing and then it turns it into a bomb?
0: So that was his whole action.
1: Yeah, that was the whole guy. And then once then they he was the only guy who could reverse it. So when they're in the football game and they kill him, they're like, "Ha ha, there's no going back now." My plan is complete. Yeah.
2: And keep in mind that they they needed Bruce the initial plan would have been to get Bruce Wayne to turn on the reactor and that's why they had him dead, quote dead, because then Bruce Wayne would have been more likely to turn it on knowing that the person who could turn it into the bomb was known to be dead. And therefore, then they could just kidnap him and no one would come looking for him as well. Because the CIA was already looking for him. So if he is announced to be dead, they could kidnap him without anyone coming to bother looking for him.
0: So how did they, during the plane crash, they did this blood transf- transfusion thing, right? To like make yeah. it appear to be this guy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, How believable is that? Because I find that to be very unbelievable. Mm -hmm. You've got this plane crashing, obviously not from natural causes. I think that would be very apparent when they looked at how it landed with no wings. (laughs) Uh, But then you've got this fire happening, and you've got bodies, and you've got shell casings and bullets and all this other activity. And you've got teeth and bones and other things. And so how does giving some of the blood of this guy into the dead person going to convince people that the Russian scientist guy is dead?
2: No. Well, I think the first point that there was, you know, gunfire and stuff, they would know that there is definitely like, like there was an ambush and someone attacked because they actually been left one of his uh, mercenaries on the plane.
0: Oh right, Yeah. He yeah. said, yes, brother, you must go down with the plane because blah. Yeah.
2: And then, uh, I'm not sure how they plan on, I suppose maybe since the plane explodes, there's a blood of some random guy and a bit of the blood of the doctor, so they they can conclude that he just exploded and there's a tiny bit of his DNA left. I don't know how detective things work.
0: (laughs) All right, well, you know, good enough. I mean, it's in the script. That's kind of like what happens with most of the movies we talk about when things don't make sense. We're just like, oh, they need to (laughs) move things along. Yeah. All right. So what other notes do you guys have? Um,
1: um, well, uh, how stupid the cops are. Um, when it's determined that Bane is down in the sewers or whatever, there's, the cops make this giant show to all go all at once down into the sewers. And Bane's plan requires the cops to do that. Because the cops, I guess, you know, if they don't go down there and don't get trapped down there, then they would be resistant to the commie revolution. But he gets rid of all the cops. I don't know if this is like a message saying that cops keep the order. This is just like an anti-anarchist message. I think it's more of an anti-ANCOM message, but, mm.
0: you yeah. well, They do claim that releasing the prisoners from Blackgate is initiating anarchy.
1: Yeah, and I still don't see how, why everybody would do that. They they say that Blackgate prison... Bain claims that Blackgate is a symbol of oppression and that those people are in there illegitimately. Mm
2: -hmm. And how about the... the, I got a bunch of quotes from Bain, like, the symbol of oppression will take Gotham from the rich and corrupt, who give people myths of opportunity and give it back to the people. I thought that was hilarious. He really is a communist, isn't he?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does anybody... I forget we were talking about how Catwoman was a communist, no, but then she kind of takes a, a turn, and then she ends up, you know, getting it on with like a, you know, the biggest capitalist ever. So, <laughs> does she change her mind at some point? I never even saw that. The only time when she changes her mind, it happens off screen because she says, mm-hmm. you know, he gives her the uh, the bat cycle, and he asks her to go do a thing, and she ends up doing it. But then she, I guess she she comes back and rescues him as opposed to just leaving. Mm-hmm. Is that her decision? I mean, we never really get any kind of closure on that. Philosophical thing. I would have liked
2: to them. I, I don't think most people would look too far in the philosophy of Catwoman. And for most people, it wouldn't really matter too much. But for us, uh, uh, I think she would still be a Marxist because even like the day before the nuke explodes, when Bruce Wayne comes back, he tells her, "Oh, yeah. we need to change this," and she says, "What if I like it better this way?" And he can only have, he can only convince her after he tells her the bomb's going to go off.
1: So she's on board with it. She's yeah. on board with the total shit show with these mock trials where you're just guilty as soon as you're mm. accused and murdered immediately.
2: And I think if you look like at her, at, at a character, sometimes when something happens, she looks around as she kind of feels guilty about it. Like she says, oh, this used to be someone's house. And I think she even apologizes for Bruce Wayne losing him his money. Huh. I think she feels some guilt, but she, just, she thinks she's justified because they're richer.
1: But she looks around at the total shit show that everything is. I mean, yeah. the movie kind of glosses over a lot of things, obviously. Um, it doesn't take into account the lack of trade that would occur. I mean, how they're right. feeding this whole city. I mean, what what's the word? We're like two weeks away from cannibalism because, I mean, a city like that would require metric shitload tons of food coming in. <laughs> yeah. And so, and this is five months. How are they? They'd be eating the rats and then eating shoe leather and they'd mm. they would they'd be eating each other within a month.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, the quote is uh, nine meals away from anarchy.
1: Yeah, so For he just things. glosses over the lack of, uh, you know, the trade that would, because they blow up all the the bridges. And they don't let anybody, you know, take boats over the river or swim over the river. And they say they're going to blow up the bomb if anybody leaves. So you've got this city full of millions of people. Mm -hmm. And there would only be the amount of food there is, but yet they're not showing, I mean, the absolute horror and desperation that would actually have occurred. There would have been mass looting, mass, there would be murders. And people just barricaded in their homes with their cans of tomato soup. I mean, there would but OK, I mean, you know, it's a comic book movie, fine, but it's yeah. still kind of disappointing that it they wouldn't – that they've got this weird scenario that takes place over five months. I don't understand the whole need for the five months. Yeah. And then you just maybe add just on, on all kinds of improbable things. Yeah, maybe have it one month or a couple of weeks. Or, I mean, you got to have this Batman healing himself after flipping a disc or whatever it was. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it was a convenient amount of time it took him to recover and escape and then travel back to Gotham the day before this thing was going to blow. Right. (laughs) We talk about a coincidence, right?
1: Yeah, and and Batman comes back and he frees all the cops that were trapped down below. And remember, this is the guy that the cops had been hunting for. Seven years, eight years? And they just walk right past them. They're like, oh, well, we're on Batman Street, Not Batman only that,
0: now. but the cops have been down there for five months. They're still alive.
1: They're clean. They're still in treatment. their police uniform. They're looking pretty clean. Yeah. They're yeah. not dead, emaciated, full beard. Well, they were feeding them. But I, again, I question where that food was coming from. That's what I want to know. <laughs> yeah, they should have had full beards. And yeah, I mean, they weren't taking showers down there in the sewers, as far as I could tell.
2: Oh, well, what kind of showers would they have been taking? Yeah, poop showers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah,
1: it, this movie loses points in the realism. And let's
0: talk about the street battle with the cops and the mercenaries because the cops start charging at Bain's henchmen, and they all have rifles and these the bat you know tanks shooting at which them. Which
1: are a lot, which are a lot squishier in this movie than they were in the last
0: movie.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but it's like the the bullets didn't affect the
0: cops until. I don't know, until they like almost got to engaging them. Did you guys notice this? Like they were charging and like nobody fell down or or a very small (laughs) percentage fell down.
2: It's just, I think the top, the the front row of police officers all got shot. Then the other ones just charged through. And then the Bane, Bane's messenger just threw away the guns and started Punching.
0: Yeah, it just seemed bizarre to me. I don't know. It didn't seem believable at all. And, like, why even have this confrontation? Why would Bane have his army of henchmen out at the stock exchange still? I, I don't know why. Anyway, uh, well, another thing wrote, that, well, go ahead, Shaheen.
2: Uh, oh. uh, the thing that I wrote about that was police versus, you know, the, the Bane's mercenaries. was, like, the – like, imagine the U.S.'s police, like the lesser of two evils, maybe. You get the police that's meant to be following the constitution, is meant to be defending liberty. Not saying that it is, but is meant to be versus the actual Marxist government. Because keep in mind that in this stage, Bain's mercenaries were the government because they were governing over everyone and they had the law system and the mouth and the law as well. So in a way, they were, uh, they were the
0: second government. Right. Yeah. So let's get into the whole the device is on one of three trucks and they randomly drive them around. And Gordon and his men are able to, like, try to identify the pattern and figure out which one is which. It seems kind of ridiculous to me that they even went through this effort Mm -hmm. to move the thing around. And when it came to the climactic scene where they had to drive it to the containment place, wouldn't it just be, just stop driving, game over?
1: Yeah. You're right. Yeah, there's a chase scene where they're trying to funnel the thing into a certain space that'll be safe for everybody. Yeah, if it just stops and like blows up its tires or something, you'd have to, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I could see why the movie studio would want like a chase scene and you got all these toys and you want to show Batman flying around in his thing. (laughs) And you had, you know, earlier you had Bane getting all the weapons from the armory, all the tumblers and all that stuff. So you're setting up all these toys to be used. So you'd probably want to use them at some point, but yeah, it doesn't doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But uh, the movie itself doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, what is what is Ra's al Ghul's ultimate plan? He wants to destroy Gotham. Why? Who knows? Because it's it's like the biggest city in the world, and it's the most corrupt, and everybody's we save that, that for the Batman Begins uh, podcast. It also takes it also pr- appropriate here because that's what Talia says. Talia says, "My father's work is done." Blah blah blah. Everybody's gonna die. Fantastic. So she says that modern society is essentially corrupt. That's the whole point of the League of Shadows. Modern society is corrupt, needs a reset. Everybody needs to die and start over. But they provide zero, and I mean zero, guidance on how the reset is going to happen differently, how it's going to be different the second time around. They never mention any way. They just say, oh, it's corrupt. Everybody needs to die.
2: I think that was of the League of Assassins is that when it does go bad, you just kill everyone and that's it. Then you give them a second chance to not be corrupt on their own. And then you become corrupt, you just kill them again.
1: Well, I mean, so is the destruction of, murder.
0: It's this destruction of Gotham just like an example? Because, I mean, there's a whole other, you know, rest of the world out there, right? So, like, what do they hope to accomplish blowing up Gotham? And to right. Robert's point earlier, why wait five months to do it? Or was that just a, a matter of, like, how long that thing takes to, like, prime before it blows up. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. There was no mention of that. Um, I think they they could have just... They had this trigger thing
0: that they could have used, but somehow... They had the trigger they could have used at any time. Yeah, and and Gordon was able to miraculously, like, stop it in in the nick of time, of course. But yeah, they could have triggered it at any time prior to that. And so... Yeah, like why wait the five months? Like, what is the point?
2: No, well, I think the right. point was to make Batman tougher and kind of give the people of Gotham the hope that they're going to be okay. I mean, Bane said numerous times, "This city will endure," and or something like that. So it was, Batman said never. Bane. Or Bane said he, oh no, Bane said that. Bane said, like when he was announcing, giving out his Marxist propaganda, he said that, uh, "City will endure and rebuild," or something. And I think he was trying to get the city to be hopeful that this will be over, and then just have them die just to get this to torture Bruce Wayne more?
1: Okay, so from that perspective, if it's all about torturing Bruce Wayne, hmm. then I guess the villains kind of make some sense, if that's what it is. If, well, if, I mean, if, 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 if all the citizens of Gotham are just pawns to be used as teaching moments for Bruce then okay, I guess I'm a little bit more on board with their, their evil plan and, here. But... And
2: keep in mind, Bane doesn't really care that much about Batman. Bane's just ultra friend-zoned by Talia, and Talia's pissed off because Batman pretty much kills Ra's al Ghul, which is her father.
1: Right, but she doesn't know he's back still alive. Uh, the father? Yeah.
2: Oh, I th- the father was a hallucination. Are we sure? Yeah, because he, he, he died in Batman Begins. Spoiler alert.
1: Well, yeah, but but Ra's al Ghul, he, can, he gets resurrected all the time. I mean the comic books. Mm
2: -hmm. I I don't think. I don't think in this dimension because this is meant to be the more realistic side of Batman, as realistic as Batman can get.
1: Okay. Well, I mean, it wasn't. Was does the audience? I mean, I wasn't. I was definitely not clear on that being a hallucination. I I took it as Raych got, got resurrected again, like he always does, and he's just not letting everybody else know that he's alive. But he appears to Batman because reasons. He wants to be a jerk to or whatever. I was, I was, you you scene, know was too it,
2: much, Robert.
1: <laughs> it's true, I do probably. But was there a specific thing in the movie? I mean, maybe I'll have to go back and rewatch it. But
2: I, I mean, think it's just he, the, like the. I think it was the final scene between Bruce Wayne and Ra's, and this is the scene right before Batman starts um, standing. When I mean, he's on the rope, yeah. and he sees Raz and Ra's like, just right. kind of fades away into nothingness.
1: Okay.
2: That always made me think that he was a hallucination.
1: Okay. Not that he's like a super ninja. Okay, yeah. I'll have to I'll have to rewatch that part and see if he's a super ninja or if he's a hallucination. But um, it's possible. Either way, either way it's a possibility. But if 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 it's all about Bruce Wayne and all about torturing him psychologically, then yeah. Okay, I'm a little bit more on board with this movie. But uh, as it is, I think there's still some still issues with it. Um, yeah. yeah. So, Daniel, what else you got, buddy?
0: Well, that's pretty much actually the notes that I had taken. Just the anti-rich tact and the weak motorcycle crash and Batman's reluctance to kill still. But then Selina comes back and uses the very weapons on the Batbike thing to kill Bane. And she says she has no problem with guns. Uh, and that goes back to a point we made with Shaheen on the previous episode where Batman is afraid of guns or, or, or averse to using them. But he will use cannons on his weaponry to blow up cars and whatever to make way so that he can get yeah. through with no compunction about whether there's people inside those vehicles or not.
1: Right. Yeah, he'll blow up bad guys and cars and stuff and they seem to die perfectly good.
2: <laughs> he did that in this as well right with Talia
1: right yeah um, so i think it's more just kind of sloppy sloppy writing in my in my view but i understand that in the in the in the movies that batman kills people all the time and it i'm okay with a batman that kills people all the time in movies and have him not kill people in comic books it's a little bit it's two different mediums so there can be two different characters it's fine and it's just a director's interpretation anyway it's, mm-hmm. as long as he stays true to the character as he exists in that moment in that in that movie. So Within if he's like, yeah, it's like if he's at the beginning of the movie, he's like, I don't kill people. And then he goes around and he kills a bunch of people. And then he's like, afterwards, he's like, eh, well, I killed a bunch of people. Who cares? Or he doesn't even mention it or doesn't even get brought up. Then I think that's a huge gaping hole in your plot, because mm-hmm. if it's super important to him at the beginning of the movie and says, no, I will not kill people, I will not use guns, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes and does it. And then it's never referenced. <laughs> and he suffers no psychological trauma because of it, and he's never worried about it or sad about it or never has any kind of crisis about it, then I think, yeah, your writing is uh, suffering.
0: Yeah, I I think that they tried to fit a bunch of stuff into the story that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And I don't know. I mean, if if we're going to get into ratings, I've already given mine. I mean, you guys know what it is. You haven't convinced me otherwise. So I'm going black and red on this baby all the way.
1: Well, I know that they, you know, had to do some tricky shuffling once uh, Heath Ledger died because he was supposed to be in this, from what I understand, he was supposed to be the judge in the uh, trial scenes, and he probably, I believe he had a, a larger role that got cut out. Uh, so I understand, you know, if you have enough infinite time and infinite money, you'll make a perfect thing, but they didn't have that. Uh, all the same, though, I think if they were going to make a trilogy from the get-go, they should have had... A really clear idea of where they were going and what exactly they were trying to say. And I think that the, uh, yeah, just the, uh, the overall villain in this movie, especially compared to Dark Knight. Dark Knight was so much more clear about what the villain wanted and what he represented versus what Batman wanted and what he represented. It was a clear thing and punctuated with fantastic acting. And I still think, uh, I think Hardy and I think, um, Bane's character and acting was all fine. And I, I liked, um, what's her name as Catwoman? I thought she was fine. Anne she Hathaway. Yeah, Anne Hathaway. I thought, you know, she was pretty cool. I didn't think she was like, she looked kind of small and tiny and weak for a Catwoman, mm-hmm. but that's fine. I mean, she is what she is. She was athletic enough and whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And then all the other staple characters did the fine job, I guess. But yeah, um, I will say this is a, you know, like Shaheen said at the beginning of the movie this episode, if this was a standalone Batman movie, I think it would be higher rated, even though According to Google and all the Rotten Tomatoes and all that, it was super high. But I would, I would think I would look at this more favorably. But as a counterpart to a Dark Knight, I, it definitely suffers. Uh, even so, I will, I will give this a black and gold, mainly for the strength of showing the shit show that an Ancom Revolution would look like. That's, that's my, uh, it's my happy point for the movie. You may
0: have just turned the tide for me. <laughs> If if that's the one positive thing to get out of it, I mean, this was a painful movie for me to watch. It was so long, and it made no sense. And yeah, I just I, I felt like I suffered through it. Uh And after watching The Dark Knight, I was like expecting that they were onto something. You know, like they had left off a lot of the parts that they they had introduced in Batman Begins in Dark Knight, and then Shaheen, you had mentioned that well, they they bring those back in in Dark Knight Rises, and To a degree, I think they did, but I I, I think they did it so ham-fistedly that Mm. it just doesn't flow. You know, I, I was kind of expecting that Nolan would have had a vision for all three films to work together. And and like Robert, you were saying, perhaps he did. And Heath Ledger dying may have affected that. But I'm thinking how, you know, Peter Jackson approached the Lord of the Rings. He knew what he wanted to accomplish in each of the films. Uh, I think he even wanted to have uh, four or five films. Right. And then he ended up doing just three, but he had an overall arc for the entire trilogy in mind upon creating the Mm. the film or the films. And, I thought Nolan would have a similar thing, but I just don't see it here.
2: Yeah, I still I still rate it pretty good, cause uh, I don't know maybe because I grew up with it. And I still think it's a good movie. The action scenes were good. I like the I like Batman running away from the police and all the all, the, all just all the fighting. I like that. the anything that's Batman related and not no Bat nipples, I will like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did have its problems. No one near as good as The Dark Knight. Um, but yeah. And what I just like about just this movie and Batman in general is because he, he he's not with the police he's he's anti-marxist anti mcbain um, like but he's not exactly yeah. good with the police either like its it's been symbolized in all three of the Dark Knight trilogy in Batman begins he has to fight the police at one stage run away from them in Dark Knight he does so at the end when he just takes down the SWAT teams and in this he know, near the beginning he just he makes a run away and stand up stands off with them against them. So, yeah, it's. I always thought of uh, superheroes as a symbol of individualism.
1: Sure, yeah. And, like, as
2: a vigilante, as someone that just goes out, says, fuck the police, they're not getting it done. Batman did say this a couple of times, like, police can't get anything done, that's why I need to do it.
0: Yeah, that's true, but he was complicit in making the the Dent Act a thing, right? Like, upholding that noble lie that we were talking about at the beginning. And, Mm. as far as I can tell, I mean, that's like...
1: Like the Patriot Act.
0: status. It's Patriot Act. It's very status. It's it's holding people in prison for eight years with no trial, uh, no evidence, and and they were, if I recall from the Dark Knight, they had actually brought a bunch of the people in on racketeering charges, right? And we talked yeah. about there's
1: a dis it's all RICO, is the RICO Act kind of thing with yeah, all it's all a
0: disproportionate amount of uh, guilt or or or. Uh, participation by all of the parties
1: and right. they were so all if too you're insane. a member regardless of your participation level you are guilty and you're going to jail for as long as we can put you in there yeah
0: yeah and it's you know the eight years and so to me that is horrific and so i if nolan had taken that tact and had, had been like an anti-patriot act anti-police state kind of thing i would have thought there'd be more meat on that bone than than what he mm. did here i'm not yeah like like you were saying, I'm not sure what he was trying to accomplish with this.
1: Right. He shows like all the good parts of the Patriot Act. Every In the whole movie, it's all about how crime is way down and everything's great and there's no corruption and everything's fantastic. And uh, that's just a weird message. I mean, I, I like the whole Ancom is a shit show message. That's fine. But the whole, um, yeah, Patriot Act is super great. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And I don't expect my directors to all be ANCAPs, though. If you are mm-hmm. out there and you're an ANCAP and a director, we, we love you. We support you. Do it. Go out there and change that culture. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh,
2: are, do there, other- are there any good libertarian movies that are, that are um, maybe not um, – I guess mean, pop culture, superhero-y action movies, fun to watch, but they have a libertarian underpinning to them, a hidden libertar- libertarian message. I don't know if Vince Vaughn's a libertarian. Maybe he's been some movies.
0: Yeah, maybe if we look at like some Clint Eastwood stuff. Oh yeah. A lot of the old westerns had a lot of uh, individualist streak and um, kind of against uh, collectivism and big government and yeah. Eastwood Tony Stark he, is almost yeah, until Civil War. Yeah, Civil War was well, awful. Until Civil War he's uh,
1: except for the fact that he's selling weapons to the government. But he is yeah, he's a you know, an industrialist slash individual superhero guy.
0: Yeah, which is why Civil War totally threw me off, right? Because like when you were telling me about it, I was like, oh, so Tony Stark's the one who's like, no, man, we can't just follow along with the government. And you're like, "Nope, it's Captain America, man. <laughs>
2: that, that makes no sense. Captain America should be the status one. Stark should be the I don't give a shit one.
1: Yeah, it was weird to have, they, they wrote, and that's it's the same as in the comic book. They yeah, yeah. the comic book, but I don't know why in the comic book they had this free market industrialist guy all of a sudden wanting to tow some government line
2: when no,
1: well, he does what nothing doing.
2: I think they were having this or they might have already done it a Civil War 2 yeah they did. it's Iron Man versus another person I forget who it is but Captain Marvel yeah, yeah, yeah that's right and then Captain Marvel was saying uh, what, what she wants to do is I think they have a device that can predict who does what, and if, right. it, if it predicts someone does a bad thing, they'll go arrest them straight away. And that's yeah. what Captain Marvel wants to do. But then Tony Stark says that uh, you cannot go get anyone unless they've actually done the crime. So before they actually do, it doesn't matter what you predict; you can't get them. So maybe that makes Stark a bit better.
1: Yeah, that that's good. So he's anti-thought crime in this one. Okay, yeah. good. Hmm. I've heard bad things about Civil War Two, but I haven't I haven't read it yet, so uh, maybe I should. I don't know. And like at
2: the end of Civil War, didn't didn't Stark let let um, turn off the security and let everyone out?
1: Um,
0: it sounds familiar. Yeah,
1: I he so. does go and rescue, or is it him, or is it the other guy who goes in and rescues all the other Avenger guys that are stuck in the prison? I forget. I think uh, it is
0: Stark. Uh, is it Stark at the and, very end? Yeah, I think so. Like he flies out there. To that, you know, Russian tundra. Hmm.
1: Well, there's a scene where he goes out there and he's talking to them and they're all like, we hate you. Get out of here. And he's like, I need to go find blah, blah, blah. I need to find Cap. And then they tell him where he is and then he goes out there. But at the very end, somebody comes back and it lets everybody else out. And I forget who that character is. Is it Cap?
2: I I think Can it is Cap, Cap. Yeah. Tony Stark? I think it's and Cap. It's- but then they, 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 they call Tony Stark to come to come fight them. He just turns off the phone. It kind of just lets them get away.
1: Maybe we should do a Civil War episode with Shaheen. Because we're kind of butchering the story. We can't. This is just a couple of guys <laughs> trying to remember what happens in a movie.
0: Yeah, it's something I saw like two years ago on an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was on Netflix, so I, I probably could watch it again. And there's a bunch of yeah. bunch of movies to do. Uh, we have a, such a huge list and so many great guests to bring on. And Shaheen, we want you back again. Oh definitely that for sure. Uh, do you want to be our Batman guy, or, or is there something else? Do you want to do Civil War?
2: Oh, I'm fine with anything, really. And no, uh, are we still doing
0: the uh, the Conquest for Bread thing? Yeah, it, that that's a that's a thing. If uh, any of our commie friends want to check out uh, Conquest of Bread, go to conquestofbread.com or theconquestofbread.com, and you'll learn all about it. But yeah, there's plenty of work to be done there. I actually just ordered up a new uh, recording device that will allow me to make the audio book a lot easier than. Than the microphone setup that I have here. And mm-hmm. so the goal is to have that up in the, uh, the next couple of weeks and draw some traffic to it. And mm-hmm. then, start how many changing.
2: pages is Conquest of Bread*? Uh, it's
0: 150 maybe. It's, it's not super oh, okay. long. Right.
2: And like, it just talks about basic ANCOM stuff.
0: It's the mutualist Doesn't... ANCOM stateless society stuff. It's mm-hmm. essentially, he takes a snapshot of, of how production methods are working at the time. He's like, well, we could, of yeah. course, do this uh, scientifically and figure out how to do it more efficiently. And so people would only have to work four hours a day and we have an abundance. Uh, but it totally assumes almost an evenly rotating economy, like no change. Everyone's needs are always going to be the same. Everyone's needs are the same and a whole bunch of mm-hmm. other, a slew of other problems. So it's, it's pretty easy to pick apart. Uh, it yeah. just needs to be done.
2: Yeah, there will already be a lot of reputations to other Marxist stuff, like actual Marxist. This one would be Marxist, but Marxist stuff in general.
0: Yeah, this is the one thing that when you get the that's not real communism argument mm. back from people, they'll eventually get to, well, if you really want to understand what I believe, you got to read Conquest of Bread. If you mm. press them hard enough, that's where they'll run to, and so that's yeah. why I want to smoke them out of there too. All
2: right. I assume the, the calculation problem would still apply to all this. I mean
1: Absolutely.
0: They assume yeah. much. They assume they assume that they understand the yeah. existing environment and they'll just continue that on going forward. Yeah.
1: And the motivation problem? And all the other problems of communism—the
2: knowledge one, mm-hmm. the moral one. What other? What are, <laughs> others are there? There's three or four big ones.
1: That's all. That's, that's all you need. But yeah, <laughs> you only need one of those problems to totally. Murdering prepare. everyone who disagrees—that's
0: <laughs> a problem. Anyway, uh, so I, I feel like we sort of departed from Batman: uh, Dark Knight Rises here a little bit. So let's let's swing it back. We've already given our, our ratings, right, Robert? You gave it a black and gold. I gave it black and red. I think Shaheen, you were saying black and gold. Yeah, with, with so many words. And uh, we've pretty much kind of already done our final thoughts. Um, is there anything else anyone would like to throw out there before we wind the show down and potentially go into a Kathleen Turner Overdrive, which will be available for our Patreon subscribers? And if you want to support us and get that content, including the two hours of pre-show that we had, check out our page at actualanarchy.com slash tip jar and click on that Patreon link, smash the shit out of it, and give us the $5 a month level, and you'll get that uh, juicy, juicy behind-the-scenes action that we've been doing for the past, I don't know, 15 or 20 episodes.
1: I just want to take a minute and congratulate Christopher Nolan and his brother on even tackling the comic book genre. I mean, these guys are some of the ones that are really familiar, or really kind of brought the whole comic book genre to the mainstream. I mean, without this series, you probably wouldn't really have the Marvel Universe as we know it. Whether that's a, a good or a bad thing, people can argue. But um, for me, as a comic book lover, I, I think it's a totally good thing. I mean, I for years and years, you know, reading comic books, I'm like, man, this would make a really good movie if you could just do it right. And then we finally got to the technology where you could see the kind of things that they show in comic books up on the screen. And for the fanboy in me, I'm like, yay. Now, as a critic inside me, I mean, those movies are not perfect, but... Um, without Christopher Nolan, I don't think we'd be where we are today and getting all these uh, fantastic movies. Um, not that they're all perfect, but um, they certainly they certainly make you know bring back kind of like that childhood feeling sometimes, especially like when there's like a big action scene where all the toys that I was playing with, you get to mash them all together and do stuff. I mean, it doesn't make necessarily for the greatest of movies, but it, it satisfies the level of fanboyism in me. So for that, I just want to uh, thank Mr. Nolan. Um, it's not, not necessarily up to the level of some of his other work where, like you were saying, Daniel, where there's like a, 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 an angle on storytelling or – I mean, his movies like Memento and then um, – Inception. Inception. But um, for the – I mean, this a movie. Uh, these, this trilogy almost works as a normal movie. I mean, you take away the fact that the guy's Batman and it could just be like a drama with a, a guy doing extraordinary things in this crazy universe and like a normal grounded universe. But, you know, amazing things are happening. So, yeah, uh, really good for me. Not his best work, but, you know, nothing's ever perfect. So I give it uh, some slack.
0: Was yeah, I, so I, I just want to run with the point you made that this Nolan series sort of inspired the competitor, Marvel, to achieve even Greater, uh, you know, greater success, right? Like without this, they would not have been inspired to even try to do better. So that's a beautiful, like, offshoot of, of competition. Like it's, it's because mm. this did well, they endeavored to do well. And so you and me and Shaheen and all the other moviegoers out there got to experience better comic book films and not just smash some pieces of plastic together or read a, a, a comic book. Mm. Yeah. And speaking of sure. comic books, we have an advertisement coming out in the new Voluntaryist, which is going to be really cool. We're the centerfold. We're right in the dead center, dead nuts on center. Split that book open, and you see us right in the middle. And that's going to be Not coming naked. Out. Not naked. Damn but, it. Uh, we're in a theater, alone, together, snuggling. And... I mean, there
1: are homoerotic overtones. Don't get me wrong. Definitely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you got levitating popcorn. <laughs> but it's going to be great. And so anyone who... Uh, has the opportunity to get a Voluntarist origins comic book coming out probably in October do check it out split that book open there's gonna be two staples right down the center splitting Robert and I that's the only thing keeping us apart and it's a, it's a beautiful image and we're going to be using that in our upcoming uh, rebranding effort for the, for the show the Facebook page YouTube etc it's it's already kind of underway but the official launch is when that book comes out in October
1: yeah and there's um, I'm also working on some t-shirt ideas so look forward to that. Hopefully we'll have those up and, um, people will like to check them out.
0: Mm. All right. So Shaheen, do you have any, uh, additional things coming up or any additional comments on the Batman movie, even the, the trilogy and anything upcoming that you've got on the horizon, like any articles you're writing or any other guest appearances um, that you might have in the works?
2: I don't really have anything else to add to the movie. I think we pretty much summed it up. Um,
0: yeah, I'm, I'll be going
2: on the Liberty weekly podcast next week with Patrick and, um, Writing a couple of articles, mostly about how much of a communist shithole my university is. And just, I think I'll write, what I can do, because since, if I want to write big articles and long ones, really detailed ones, they'll take a bit. I might not be able to do them while I have union, but if I do shorter articles, like if I something comes up I see on the news or something I see union, I hear about, I could write like a half a page, sort of like a mini memo sort of thing, just quick
1: comments. Like a rant?
0: Yeah, yeah, Exactly. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I love those. Do That's it.
0: essentially what I do. <laughs> out, of, out of the 1,000 articles that we have, and we just crossed over that, that threshold today, actually, so yay us, 1,000 articles on the site. Yeah. Uh, One the ones them... that I've written are, are essentially what you're describing, Shaheen, just like five to 15-sentence rants.
2: <laughs> oh, I, I can do a lot of them. I've yeah. got a couple that I can just do, do, like,
0: do right away. Yeah, do it, man. Just shoot them to me in uh, Twitter Messenger, and I'll post them. All right, definitely. So, hey, by the way, speaking of Twitter, how can people get a hold of you? What, what is your Twitter handle? And, and we'll post it down below. Um, and, and that way people can, like, give you, uh, you know, all their negative well, the thoughts, tell you that you're, uh, an evil, racist, uh, alt-right, white supremacist. Neo-Nazi. Yeah. Neo-Nazi. Yep. Even though you're Euro- an Iranian-Australian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they don't care yes. about that shit. No, I mean,
2: I mean, you know, Iran means land of Aryans. So, being there from Iran actually makes me more racist. I actually heard someone, you know, Mike Sternovich? Yep. People were calling him a white supremacist. Then people, he himself pointed out that he has a Persian wife, a wife from Iran. And then people were saying, oh, but Iran is like a white supremacist country as well. It's like, no, it's fucking not. What are you on about? <laughs> so they'll probably try to get me for that. But yeah, you can get a hold of me at, on Twitter. Just, just turn right up Shaheen M, S-H-A-H-E-E-N-M. Then there's a snake and a helicopter as well. And the picture is like a NCAP guy pressing the nuke button. Love that meme.
0: Sweet. It's perfect for you. So <laughs> thank you. And Twitter is how we met. And uh, I'm glad that we did because you've been a great guest on three of our episodes yeah, thanks. thus far. And we're happy, more than happy to have you on again. Uh, Definitely. as soon as you've got time off from uni. So I think that's going to wrap it up for us here at the Actual Anarchy Podcast. This is going to be actualanarchy.com slash 42. The Dark Knight Rises with Shaheen the Ancarp from Adelaide, Australia. And uh, if you want to support our work or find the behind-the-scenes action with the pre-show and the post-show where we turn the frog's gay, which we're going to be doing in just a few moments, check out our tip jar page at actualanarchy.com slash tip And I bid you adieu. Say goodnight and uh, turn the floor over to Shaheen and then Robert, and then we'll go into overdrive.
2: All right. See you guys later. Tune in and donate.
1: Yeah, second that. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening, tuning in. Uh, Check us out in the next episode. Peace.